0: Again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to Pirates Talk. You've got to give a lot of credit to Kevin Willard, his staff, and naturally the players. Short-handed with Bryce Aiken still out of the lineup, perhaps for the rest of the season, following the concussion suffered against Marquette, with some sort of a virus moving through the team, particularly affecting Kadari Richmond, and yet the team was able to pick up two wins in the last week, two must wins against lesser foes. Yes. But things have stabilized with three games remaining on the schedule. I know many prognosticators said the Hall was not in trouble regarding an NCAA bid based on what they did at the beginning of the season. But you don't want to leave it to chance. And the way the Hall was finishing and with all those issues, well, there were some doubts certainly creeping into my mind. So finishing the season strong is paramount. There will still be challenges ahead, but you got to get there first. Saturday, the Pirates face a slumping Xavier, losers of three straight in Cincinnati. Then it's home for Georgetown on Wednesday night for senior night before the regular season concludes a week from Saturday on the road against Creighton, which just lost Ryan Nemhard, their starting point guard for the rest of the season due to a fractured wrist. The Big East tournament follows and then hopefully a higher seed in the NCAA tournament. But kudos to the team for doing what needs to be done. Now, normally, we discuss on-court issues with our guests, either about the current state of affairs of the team or about the past. Today, we're going to switch gears just a bit and talk about a critical portion of the university's mission and future. John Papersinos is a 1999 graduate of the Hall, where he was a member of the swim team. In November of 2020, he was named Vice President, University Advancement. And it is in that role that he joins me on Pirates Talk. John, thank you very much for spending time with me. I know time is a precious commodity, and you have a lot on your plate. So thank you for joining me on Pirate's Talk.
1: Very happy to be here, Matt. Thank you for uh, inviting me.
0: So VP of University Advancement, what does that role entail, and what is University Advancement?
1: Yeah, the the role can be deceiving, uh, if you will, sometimes, but it's kind of like a historical role as many things are happening and and many things uh, are historic just over the years. Um, Advancement is basically means we're advancing the mission of the university. So uh, the responsibilities that I am uh, very uh, much responsible for are the engagement of our alumni and all of our friends and our parents and our donors and to ensure that we have uh, alternative resources to be able to support the mission and vision of this great university.
0: So it sounds like you're on the road a lot and your time is very much, uh, used up on a regular basis. How much, how much travel time do you have? And is there a busy season for John Papercinos?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, just like everybody, I think it, this, this profession kind of ebbs and flows quite a bit. Yes, I am on the road quite a bit. Uh, but actually I, I just follow the lead from the president of the university who has, uh, enormous energy to be able to uh, really drive and work for the university nationally, not yet internationally, thankfully. So um, we we have been uh, going on the road quite in the seasons. You follow, of course, a lot of the areas where we have strengths. And uh, when we're talking about the athletic seasons overall, and the men's basketball season, and women's, and others, uh, those are some of the busiest seasons for us, as it is for uh, for athletics and other areas of the universities.
0: And we are going to dive in that uh, into that in just a moment. But talk a little bit about the energy of of, of Dr. Nyer and and what he brings in his role. He's just really in the nascent, nascent stages, if you will, of his presidency. What 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 has he brought? As you have seen it, and what. What energy that you talk about does he have?
1: Yeah, so Dr. Nair brings um, a lot to the table. I I have to say that I've worked for five different universities and um, I've worked for many great presidents. But the energy and the vision that Dr. Nair has brought to Seton Hall, and I really can appreciate that because I am an alum. And I came back after 21 years and just seeing how it has transformed the campus just in the short two years of his tenure um, is is really motivating me to be able to continue to do the work and the energy that I'm trying to keep up as much as I can. Um, Like with every many universities and many uh, across the nation, you you will find that we're all trying to uh, figure out how we're going to be able to adapt to uh, fulfill our primary mission. We have Catholic values, but our primary mission is to be able to support and train our students. Uh, so with that, uh, Dr. Nair brings a lot of focus through the strategic plan. He brings a lot of focus through empowering his uh, leadership team to make sure that he's making the appropriate changes and is really driving um, the, the goals and the targets that we set uh, throughout the year um, and for a three-year and five-year period. So... Um, he is been a uh, breath of fresh air is one of the people like even at the game yesterday when I was watching them, you see students just going around saying, uh, Hey, this is my president. Can I have a picture of Dr. Naira, please? And I did that quite a few times, which is uh, quite great to see because, um, any other culture than the one that Dr. Naira has had, you would not see that outcome.
0: Well, that is certainly good to know. I've seen it in action myself and we're going to certainly circle back to maybe last night's game, the basketball program in general, certainly athletics. But uh, the strategic plan is called Harvest Our Treasures. If you could distill that down a little bit, it, you know, we know what the, the, the broad view is, but uh, tell us a little bit about what that's, what that's all about and, and where that will influence the university moving forward.
1: Yeah, so just to be clear, I mean, I'm not going to do the justice that Dr. Nair does for exactly explaining this, but I mean, I've been with the university for 18 months and I've been embedded into this as to the entire executive team and all of the leadership of the university, I think, have really embraced it. Uh, so we have many treasures of Seton Hall and we know the university from 1856 and we have many, many strengths academically. We have uh, great strengths in research and our biggest strength is the leadership that we that we give to our students to become uh, ready for work or ready to be able to be employable. Um, and we're just uh, harvesting our treasures is, is kind of saying, like, how do we hone in on the areas of strength? and how do we build new areas of strength that opportunities are provided to us given our geographic region and given the demographic of the students that we know we can train to have them succeed. Um, so that's that's kind of the sum of how we position it.
0: And preparing, of course, the students to enter the workforce world in a changing world and you've gotta be able to adapt and adopt to what is presented to you. It's not, it, John, you graduated from the hall well after I did, it is certainly not the world that I entered uh, when I graduated in 1979. It's a far different world from the one that you entered after graduating. 1999, in 1999. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so it's a continually changing scenario and landscape that you've got to be ready to, uh, as I said, adapt and adjust to. So how much does university advancement raise for the university? What What's the, the correlation there uh, from a financial standpoint?
1: Yeah, so I'm very excited to say. I mean, so traditionally and just uh, historically, the university does raise about 15 million dollars. Uh, but our alumni have really, in the time that I've been here, have been extremely supportive, and also our friends of the university. So in the past 12 months alone, we we're just talking about that. We just uh, raised 30 million dollars for many of the strategic initiatives. And why are we doing that? Uh, mostly because we have a focus now from the vision that Dr. Nair is bringing to us, and we know where we want to be able to maximize and say that Seton Hall is gonna be a leader in the community, whether it's the local community or the national community.
0: Well, it's great to see that the impact is being felt and there's no end. It's an open-ended fundraising. Uh, You you never stop and say we have enough. What's the alumni participation been like and what's the message to those who have had their lives shaped by Seton Hall University? And now it's an opportunity for them to say, yes, uh, thank you. I, I, I want to ensure that the future for those who follow me is secured.
1: Well, thank you for that question. I think um, so we have a very passionate and a very loyal uh, alumni base that's really supporting the university in many ways, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's mentoring and working with the students, attending many of the events like the athletic events. Uh, but of course, like every university will tell you, we we want we, we need we need a lot more to be able to engage with us. We have over 120,000 alumni internationally, and we do hope that as, as many universities say, we don't expect that 100% participation, many have different geographic regions and other passions. But normally we were trying to get at least, if we can get 20% of them to really come to campus and engage with us, that will be a great, great feat for us. And it will really transform the way our campus is perceived Uh, changing uh, the way that our our students are able to kind of, again, to have the resources to train, but beyond just the monetary way, but also with expertise. We need much of the expertise uh, in the classroom and to help our students to be able to be ready for the world of work, like we said before.
0: How do you get alums to come back to the campus?
1: That's a very good question. We have to find ways, and that's the work that investment also brings. I mean, so there's standard ways, like we said, and I keep bringing it back to athletics, so being able to have specific lectures with many of our great faculty do, uh, but we need, and that's the work ahead of us, we, we are diversifying in the way that we can bring unique opportunities, um, like uh, different, pro- we have a new program in the Center for Sports Media, which i will be very happy to speak to you about. That's a great new area where we know that students and alums can engage in a new way that hasn't happened before. But we have to bring those opportunities to the forefront, and that's the work ahead of us over the next 12
0: months. Well, let's get right to it because a good friend of mine, Bob Lee, has been nice. instrumental in pushing that. And And I will say this, I can never thank him enough. When he had graduated from Seton Hall, he and I crossed paths just a little bit. He graduated as I was finishing up my freshman year. So we never worked at WSOU together But while he was beginning his storied career in communications, he was working for a local cable company, came back to the campus. They were broadcasting a game from Walsh, walked into WSOU just to say hello and see what it was like. And there I was. And. You know, at that point, he was listening to the game still, and still does, of course. And he said, hey, why don't you come across uh, the road, so to speak, to East Orange, where this company, Suburban Cablevision, was located? And he said, well, let's see, I can't pay you. <laughs> and he said, you're not a communications major, which I wasn't. I'm a Stillman School graduate. He said, So I can't get you credit, but he said, I can give you experience. And from that little outreach on his part, which I am eternally grateful for, it led me to a role in television, and then I continue my media world on the radio side. So I can I can never have enough good things to say about Bob Lee. So tell us a little bit about the Center for Sports Media and what's going on there.
1: Well, you, you put it right in there. So that's the great opportunity of the experience and the experiential learning that people like Bob do offer us. And now look how successful you are. You're kind of the voice of the New Jersey Devils amongst one of the accolades of everything that you do. So congratulations to you. But I will say I've, I've been doing this for about 18 years now and I've met many successful and many inspiring uh, individuals. Uh, Bob Lee, I have to say, I agree with you. He's he's a very humble. He's uh, extremely smart and just a person who gets uh, the, the job done, if you will. He, he's very passionate about the Center for Sports Media because he knows and he's been involved with uh, the university since 2017. He's been in the classroom working with the students, providing them with hands-on experience, giving them opportunities uh, to connect them with different industry leaders to provide them with internships. And with that, we have the highest and the largest minor at Seton Hall, which we hope, and I'm just speaking here at John Santos because I don't know where the process is, but we hope to create a major because that's an area of a huge strength for us. So the Center for Sports Media, what is it? It is an opportunity for our students, again, to continue now in a more focused way, to have opportunities to be able to get those internships, further training in sports media, in journalism, and to, to give them opportunities, again, to be able to interact, work, and uh, see the work of what's happening with, with many of the industry leaders, and that's the great Thing that Seton Hall brings for that specific area is because we're such proximity to New York and other areas where sports and media are very prevalent. And uh, also with the, the alumni base that we have that have been so successful, uh, we have a huge opportunity to train the next generation of leaders.
0: So what, what are some of the next steps along the way of fully developing the Center for Sports Media?
1: Yeah, so I'm excited to say that soon enough, we're hoping to be able to announce a new director for the program. And the dean um, of the, the College of Art, um, Communications and the Arts is going to be hopefully announcing that in the near future. Um, and But what, what we need to be able to do right now is to make sure that we have a sustainable program. Bob Lee came through with a great uh, and very inspiring uh, donation to be able to launch the program and we received some similar donations from others and maybe some of the faculty members as well that has given us the seed funding to be able to keep us and make us sustainable over the next two years. We want to do that for the immediate future. And then our goal is to create uh, an endowment to create sustainable resources so that we don't have to keep asking for, for resources to uh, be able to build and to be able to grow such a great program.
0: Well, fantastic. I'm, I'm looking forward to that announcement and uh really seeing this uh, grow uh from its its early beginnings to become what I know will be a very impactful uh, center and with Bob's support and the alumni behind it. and uh, I'll Matt, if it.
1: I can put a plug into that. Just yeah. to, the, so Bob Lee is uh, shaping with us and we're going to be having a gala to uh, launch publicly the kind of the, the Center for Sports Media. And it's going to be in New York in September 15th. Uh, so it's going to be at the Lighthouse in Chelsea Pier. We're going to be sending out invitations. So we hope that people will find that as an opportunity to engage back with Seton Hall, in particular with his great programs.
0: Well, for those who are listening saying, I want in and and think it's a great idea, first off, circle that date. And secondly, make sure you check out the calendar for for when the event is, uh, you know, I, I guess it's formally launched already. But for more information and hop on board because I'm passionate about what Seton Hall has done on the communication side. I know there are other universities that like to puff out their chest and say, "Well, look who our alums are." Seton Hall takes a backseat to no one, and Bob Lee, who uh, was is more than a sports reporter. I mean, he's a news reporter. His his resume speaks for itself, and you know, as he's moved on from ESPN and retired, he's he's just dug in to his alma mater, which means so much to him. So yeah, uh, September 15th sounds like it'll be a, it'll be a great night and kudos to Bob. Uh, some of the other initiatives I know you're involved in. And, uh, for those who are mostly listening to this program from a basketball interest side, what's happening with the new basketball facility?
1: Yeah, so that's the exciting part right now. Uh, We are in the process of starting. uh, We're in the planning now of of building a new basketball practice facility. And I just want to give a little bit of history, which precedes me. And you can talk to uh, many great people like Brian Felt and Pat Lyons, who have uh, kind of put the vision together over the last 10 years. But if you look at a flex overall at Seton Hall, uh, the first thing that the, that, that the university wanted to do with Pat Lyons is to make sure that we have uh, the infrastructures for that. Every single student would have opportunities uh, for sports to be able to work out, to be able to do something in, in a kind of like more casual way or to be able to have opportunities to, to compete. And that was completed. And you can see in the Walsh Gym that there are many facilities that are open to the broader public. And as you go along and you can see now, we're focusing more now in this next uh, phase of the next 10 years in more of our elite sports. And I think undisputably everybody can say that the men's basketball program does bring a lot of the great student experience that our students have. You can see it from the basketball game yesterday and throughout the season, just overall, but also brings a lot more uh, to our to our students and our student athletes. And the basketball program is one that I think everybody would agree brings the reputational, um, the reputational effect to the university. People know us very, very well. Before here I was in Australia and I just tell the story very quickly to where somebody asked me where, where I went to school and I said Seton Hall. And I was getting ready to explain where that is, because you know, you didn't anticipate in Australia people would know. And the person stopped me and said, "Andrew Gaze, I know exactly who Seton Hall is." And I and I was, you know, and I looked at your business school, and my son is actually considering it. So, the value that that brings to Seton Hall University, I think, is something that people do not give enough credit for. So, for us to sustain a perennial top twenty-five program, we'd love to have a winning team, and we'd have to, to continue to have that. We know, and and Coach Fuller will say, we need a basketball practice facility. We haven't done those upgrades. We have not provided that kind of support to the program for for, for at least 10 years. And we're really behind with all of the other Big East teams having that facility uh, refreshed in the last five years or so. So with that, though, just to finish, I mean, it's not only the men's basketball program that benefits from this. Uh, The Walsh Gym has been refurbished, and Brian Felt has done a great job to be able to think about the entire space. So by freeing up and creating this new basketball practice facility, the women's basketball program has new facilities now, and all the other programs will have freed up space to be able to expand, create new opportunities for them to train year-round as allowed. Uh, indoors and outdoors as well. So we're really excited by that program.
0: And and, and where does that stand in terms of um, fundraising has it begun? Fill us in uh, when our rendering's done, that type of deal. Where are we at?
1: Yeah, so the rendering phase is one of those things that's ever evolving and it's projected. So we know that it's going to be a, pr- a project that's going to be a little bit over, it's going to be over $40 million. And we have started the effort, and know, over the last... Just few months of uh, the support of the alumni has been tremendous. We've raised over five and a half million, and our goal right now is a working target to be able to to raise the entirety of this this uh, facility before we break ground, um, which is like I said about forty million dollars, and we hope to break ground by the end of two thousand twenty three.
0: Fantastic, uh, that is good news. Listen, you know there are some people who go, oh, you know athletics. Why is there such a focus on it? And I'm prejudiced because I love sports, but. You know, I'm I'm as proud as what Seton Hall does in terms of, let's say, for instance, the School of Diplomacy or the School of Law. It's, it's all about a well-rounded experience for the students who go there. Why shouldn't you be proud of what the athletic programs accomplish? We've got a great history. We know that, but it's got to be sustained. And yes, the school is not ignoring the other facets that make the university a great place.
1: Absolutely. And it does help in a tremendous way, as I think I indicated
0: before. Yeah, no doubt it does. And and this is the sad thing, and it's true. The School of Diplomacy won't, and well, newspapers are changing, <laughs> I know, but it used to be said that the School of Diplomacy wouldn't get the back page of a newspaper, but the Final Four appearance did. But it's all about benefiting Seton Hall. It's just the way life is, but they're all integral to what a student can get in terms of an educational experience at seton Hall uh last couple about the university itself and then then I want to just finish up with your journey from leaving the campus in ninety nine and then returning in November of twenty twenty when you're in your meetings and then you go out to the world to explain what seton hall's mission is about and why the support is so critical wh- what's the biggest what's the what's the biggest challenge that's facing all schools in this changing world, this changing environment that it seems it changes every day. I'm not talking about the pandemic, just how education is changing and the competition we're facing and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, so uh, so there are many changes. I mean, every university grapples with its changes. To, again, you have to look at uh what your strengths are, like we said before. And this is again, this is my my personal opinion and what we'll focus on that at Seton Hall. I mean the demographic changes constantly and you want to be able to adapt uh, to that, but you want to stay true to our mission. So for us I think what the strength is, is that we have the Catholic values, and through that, we're really train great leaders, whether servant leaders or industry leaders. Uh, but again, Dr. Nair, with uh, getting on the road, and we've, like we were saying, we've taken, since my time here, we've taken over 30 trips across the nation, we're basically telling the story as to what Seton Hall is doing, keeping true to his values, but again, adapting in a way that we can train all of our students with whatever background and we have huge backgrounds but very diverse backgrounds one-third of our student body is uh, first generation and continues to be and over 1500 of our students are in the in the bracket to where they're in the lowest economic bracket and they have with with the proper resources they have been proven to be very successful we need to be able to address those challenges um, and stay true to our mission and our promise to be able to train all students when they're qualified to come to Seton Hall.
0: Well, I am not among first generation. Second, my grandparents were all born in Ireland, but I was the first in my family to receive a college education and Seton Hall was the place I went to. And it's good to know that that, that avenue is, is going to stay open because that's part of what makes Seton Hall great, the opportunity Absolutely. given to those who... who uh who are looking for that opportunity? It's not necessarily a legacy university. Listen, a good friend of mine has sent both of his children there, so don't get me wrong; it can be that. But it's all about uh, what uh, what was set up in 1856. All right, so let's move on to to your story. Like, what was it like when you came to campus? You remember the swim team, and you know what memories do you have of that? And by the way, did you meet your wife there? I know she's a Seton Hall graduate as well. Is that where you met uh, your wife, Leslie?
1: It is, yes. So the the quick story for me. So I was born and raised in Greece. Um, my my mother's from New Jersey, so she she was born in New York and she was raised in the Red Bank area. So when I made the decision to want to come to the university, uh, frankly, I came here uh, looking primarily in the Tri-State area, and I have no regrets about it. Uh, so Seton Hall gave me an opportunity to uh, to uh, and accepted me as an international student. And uh, when I came here, honestly, uh, the the Greek system is very uh, different. I had no idea that you can actually visit the campus and see what's happening and make choices. So um, I, I arrived here, I think it was August 21st um, in the great humidity, and I learned what humidity was because <laughs> the green is very dry. <laughs> and then August 23rd, I started with my first course. So um, it was a big learning curve and learning experience for me. So my first six months, honestly, I had a really tough time to just to adjust to the culture and understand how just things work in, in the U.S. Uh, educational system but I had great support. Um, I, I had, because again, I walked on as a swimmer because again, did not know how that system worked. And thankfully I, I became like, a starter for the, as a long distance swimmer for, for that. And that's where I established kind of my group and my community. I still have long lasting friendships and relationships with many of our, my, uh, my swimming buddies from either the graduate of the same year, uh, years before, or years after, and we'll still get together every year, um, to, to kind of go to games, etc. So, um, yeah, my, my path was one to where the first six months, as a, a good friend of mine was said, I survived my first six months, therefore nothing's going to kill me. That was great to hear about that, too. <laughs> um, and then uh, once I established myself, then it was not worth path for me to where um, I had my graduation uh, from there uh, in 1999, um, and then I entered uh, the military uh, because it's a requirement for Greeks to do military if you want to maintain your uh, your citizenship. So Again, that was a great uh, experience for me, made a lot of friends in the United States Marine Corps. And from there, I kind of fell in, as many people will tell you, in the 1990s and early 2000s, that fell into the industry of philanthropy. Uh, but 18 years later, um, I worked for five different universities and gone around the world. And now back to my roots, and we're not moving again. I promise my family that.
0: <laughs> well, that's that. That's fair enough. Well, it's such an interesting journey. I mean, life is a beautiful thing, right? Um You just don't ever know where that first step will lead you to, and and it wound up leading you to South Orange, and it brought you back to South Orange. What attracted you? I I think it comes through in in what you've said and and how you feel about the university, but but what brought you back? Was it always a goal, or as you made your way through the philanthropic philanthropic world, because you were at uh, Marquette and uh, Caltech, is it?
1: I was at Marquette, then I was at Caltech. And when we thought we wouldn't go any further west, they got recruited, and we actually um, did the, the same position for our big university in Australia, UNSW, University of New South Wales.
0: So, what, what, and, what, got, you, what, what got you interested in coming back to Seton Hall in, in this field, or was that always a goal?
1: Well, that was my dream, actually, to tell you the truth. I wasn't sure if it was ever going to be a goal, if it was going to be successful. But uh, I had said that, particularly when I got the UNSW job and we started looking at it, we're saying it's like we're ever going to go back. Is like the primary thing is I wish the the Seaton Hall job would open up. I've always stayed engaged. I mean, I'm one of those alums that really love my experience. And again, like I said, I've made long lasting friendships and relationships. I feel that I owe a lot to Seton Hall. It gave me huge opportunities uh, to be able to get a degree, to be able to get opportunities to meet and network with other alums. So uh, this was the opportunity when, once I saw this opening happening, I pursued it right away. And many of my fellow alums encouraged me along the way as well. So yes, this was my dream
0: opportunity. Well, it's fantastic. It's nice to know that dreams can come true. Last question, John, and I'll leave. I'll leave it up to you. What What is the message you want to leave through all this? We've spoken for about 25 minutes or so. What's what's the final thought you want to take uh, or have taken away by any of our listeners?
1: Yeah, if I can just, again, continue to encourage you. Thank you for everything that you do for Seton Hall. But I just want to encourage you just to continue to engage. Uh, help us find new ways to engage uh, with any of your alumni or other networks that are serious and would like to uh to learn and to uh, to see Seton Hall continue to thrive. So join us for the basketball game, March 2nd. Uh, come to many of the women's uh, basketball games that are still the Big East tournament. Uh, come to campus, we would love to show you around. We have the renovation of the U- University Center. We've done great new things with Bowlin Hall, which is where I met my wife to answer that question as well. And we've stayed together ever since. Uh, There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of good and great and positive progress happening at Seton Hall. We just need our alums and our community to engage back so we can continue to build this great university.
0: And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk. Thanks to John Papersinos for his time. As you heard, he has a passion for Seton Hall University, its mission, its students, and where the road is leading. If you are a member of the alumni of the hall, consider giving back to the place that helped you on the path you're traveling. Personally, I have many friends from those days at Bolin Hall, in the classroom, certainly at WSOU, which set the stage for whatever success I have had in this business, and yes, in the university pub, 18 was the drinking age back then, it was all good, and I am proud to be a Setonian. Hopefully, with good people like John, and under the leadership of Dr. Nyer, the university will continue to impact lives. Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks as always to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the program and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. I'm Matt Lachlan. Until next time, be safe, be well, and let's go Pirates!